Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on which part of the world you are in. Welcome to Bible study with Opel Dwali. My name is Opel Dwali, reaching out to you from Lagos, Nigeria. And we're going to be diving into episode five of our study of the journey to the throne of the Joseph Mantle. The title of this episode is Why Sex? Yes, I said it. I, that was what I, exactly what I said. Why sex? Because I had to repeat that. I felt like somebody would be saying, did she just say that? Yes, I just did. So promises to be revealing, chain-breaking, eye-opening. And I hope it delivers and helps somebody. So get your Bible, your concordance, your dictionary, your Google, like I always say, your pen, your pencil, your drink, whatever you take, coffee, tea, light your candle if you're a woman like me, create a cozy environment, and let's dive right into why sex with regards to the journey of Joseph. Welcome back. Hope you're ready to dive into the scriptures. Now let's go open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 39 from verse 6b to 18. And um, you will see there was just this obsession. So what you would see was that um, the Bible says, I love the Amplified Classic, I believe. And it said, it said, Joseph was attractive and handsome. And therefore Potiphar's wife started to desire him. And um, well, attractive, handsome desire I had always read that as normal, like, oh, yeah, he was a fine young man. He was a handsome, he was an attractive man. And, you know, she wanted to sleep with him. Um, but Joseph wasn't the only handsome man. Because one day I was reading my Bible and, you know, the Holy Spirit, it just dropped as a thought. Joseph was not the only handsome man around. Joseph was not and could not have been the most handsome man in Egypt. The whole of Egypt? All the brothels that would have been in Egypt? So the question became, what was this obsession with Joseph? Was it an obsession because he refused her and she just wanted to exert control? Was it an obsession that she herself didn't even really understand? Why? Because guess what? If there is one thing we know as believers... And if you do not know, I want you to know today that the realm of the spirit always, always controls the physical realm. The physical realm is a reactive realm. The spirit realm is a creative realm. So the physical realm reacts to whatever has been created in the realm of the spirit. Now, if we overlay the statement I just made over the situation that happened with Potiphar and Joseph, you start to ask yourself, hmm, this might have been more than what meets the eye. It might have been that the enemy was trying to attack Joseph's destiny and the tool of attack was Potiphar's wife and sex in the wrong way context not sex as in sex in marriage we will come to you know explaining further but sex as in sex outside of what god calls sex to be right and um as the world gets darker and darker that statement i just made 
has many, many, many implications. The Bible is very clear that it is male and female he created them. So we know that when God said in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 that they became one, he was talking about a man and a woman. We also know that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed partially because of homosexuality and sexual immorality. We also know that God referred to homosexuality in the, in the um, New Testament as something he totally did not like. So we are very clear that we're talking, we're talking about male and female sex and definitely not about homosexuality, number one. Number two, we also know that God had an issue with sex outside of marriage. Why? Because in the New Testament, it also talks about fornication. It talks about adultery. He says, keep the marriage bed pure. So we are very clear that God is not talking about you hooking up with some guy because you guys are dating. Even if you have been dating forever, the only context in which sex is right. And I think this needs to be clearly explained is the context of the fact that you and the person have agreed to be in covenant for the rest of your lives and leave your lives together. Now, on the back of that, it becomes very clear why Joseph could not have an affair with Potiphar's wife. First of all, she was somebody else's wife. Secondly, she was, she, 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 he was not married to her, right? Somebody else's wife. Secondly, she was his boss's wife. Secondly, he didn't have, he, he, he wanted to keep himself pure. So definitely it was wrong on every angle. And Joseph knew that. But Potiphar's wife would not give up. Her, 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 she was so determined. It almost reads like an assault. The question is, what was the enemy trying to assault? What was he trying to stop? And what was he trying to sabotage? And by the time we are done with this study, I think you will have even further insight to be able to make clearer decisions. Why? Because a lot of times parents just say, oh, don't sleep with that. Person. Oh, don't do this. But they never tell you the why. This one, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you the why. So stay with me. Don't, don't shut it down. Stay with me. At least listen. Even if you're not agreeing with everything that I am saying. You just might agree more by the time we get to the end of this. Okay. So, like we were saying before we started defining what sex really was in the context of being a believer, we were very clear that there was an obsession. Now, let's go to Joseph's side. Was Joseph, was it a struggle for Joseph? And the reason why I ask this question is because I'm very aware that the enemy does not waste time, right, in attacking you with something that is not disturbing you. So if the enemy keeps hitting an area of your life, it is because you react or he knows that that thing hurts you or it will hurt you or it continues to hurt you and agitate you, right? So whatever it was, whether it was a sexual struggle, like I mean, she must have been a beautiful woman or it was... um sexual abuse which means she was ha literally harassing him whatever it was it was obviously a persecution of some form and it was obviously a persecution that troubled him deeply and caused him great discomfort 
So whether he was having to make a choice to say, oh, she's beautiful, she's all that on a bag of chips, and he was not an, an eunuch, and she was properly tried all kinds of methods, and he had to keep make, putting his head on straight, or he didn't even like her, he didn't like anything about her, but she kept harassing him, which is sexual abuse. Whatever it was, it disturbed Joseph. And because it disturbed Joseph, the enemy kept pushing. But why would the enemy use the tool called sex? That is a question that, you know, came into my spirit and I want us to unpack it. Why the weapon sex? First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 tells us something about human beings. He tells us that, and I will read out the scripture and remember you're supposed to be holding your Bible. <laughs> oh, so open with me to First Thessalonians 5.23. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Completely. Oh, wow. That, that alone is a sermon, but let's pack that. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is a semicolon after completely, meaning that the next sentence is an independent sentence, but still it is a conjunct, it is linked, this is English now, <laughs> to the preceding sentence. So when he says sanctify you completely, he's talking spirit, soul, and body. So a human being has a body, has a spirit, sorry, has a soul, and the spirit lives in the body. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, when the Bible says God breathed into man and God, man became a living spirit. So your spirit is alive. It is the spirit that leaves the body when you die because the spirit... You know, um, is, is the life-giving part of you. It is also your spirit that becomes rejuvenated when you give your life to Christ. Because you have a soul, which is the part that continues to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, your soul consists of your mind, your heart, your will, your imagination, includes your thoughts, your desires, your passion, your dreams. So when Paul said, I hand you over to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, he was saying, I hand you over to God and to the word of God, which is able to pull down overthrow destroy cast down all the wrong imaginations change your thinking pattern and make you like christ these are all workings in the soul they are not workings in the spirit they are workings in the soul and it is as your spirit interlinks with your soul that it influences what you do in your body I'm ex for some of us, we already know this, but for, for, for anybody that is studying and has never understood the interaction between them being born again, right, and still having to struggle with certain things, this is why you still struggle. Because your spirit has been renewed, the Holy Spirit is sitting in your spirit, but your soul, which had been absorbing so many things for so many years, needs to be transformed and transformation takes place 
time. It takes time in the word. It takes obedience to the Holy Spirit. It takes learning how to discipline your spirit. It takes praying in the spirit and being strengthened in your spirit by the Holy Spirit so that your spirit becomes stronger than the desires of your soul. All of this is very important to the tool called sex that the enemy uses a lot of times to destroy lives. Why? I will also point out something very interesting to you. Do you know that people being demon oppressed or possessed is not always obvious on the, first, in the, on the outside? Right. So the question becomes, it's not obvious. So it's not seen for some people like the man of God, the, the, the crazy man in Gadara um, that Jesus delivered or the woman that was bent over and became loosed. And even she, it was not obvious. They thought she was sick. Remember? And then by the time Jesus healed her, we realized it was demon oppression. Right now, the man of Gadara, it was obvious he was cutting himself. He was doing all sorts of things. Right. But then remember Mark 123, the Mark 123, if you open your Bible and please open your Bible. So because what you see, what you hear, what you read stays more in your spirit. And then you know that I am not just feeding you why old wives fables. So Mark 123. The man with the unclean spirit was in the synagogue like everybody else. He obviously did not look like he had a demon or, or he was demon oppressed or possessed, whichever one it was. And, um, and he obviously did not look like he had any demonic influence. Otherwise, he would not have been sitting in church in quotes like everybody else. So he came to church, sang the songs, danced the danced, did everything and yet had demonic oppression or possession in his life. Why? Because when Jesus came, the demon could not stand the light that was God and started to speak through the man. And if it had been the man talking the way he normally talks, it would not have been recorded as a wonder in Mark 127. So which means that whatever spoke out from the man was totally different to how the man normally talks and behaves. Guess what? In Luke chapter 8, verse 2, they told us Mary, Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her. I mean, if it wasn't such a big deal, maybe uh, that Mary Magdalene had, I mean, Jesus had cast out all the demons from people. But I have a feeling Mary, Mag Mary Magdalene did not look like she had seven demons. In fact, uh, some historians say Mary Magdalene was a prostitute of sort. And, um, um, and therefore, you know, men liked her. She was seductive. She, you know, all of that. But she had seven demons. Therefore, pardon the noise of the airplane. Therefore, it becomes very clear, very very clear that the fact that somebody is standing before you does not mean that that person does not have demonic influence in their lives it also means that you cannot judge people based on what you see physically now if you now that means that not everyone is free in their souls we've established that so the next question is what happens in sex when you sleep with someone 
what happens. When you sleep with someone, according to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 to 20, Genesis 2, 24 says, and the two became one. That is the phrase that it says, now you shall be born of my, uh, no, no, no. It says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. They became one flesh, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 to 20. Paul was talking about us, about, about not being joined with unbelievers, right? And he was talking about sex. So he was telling us that when you have sex, there is an intertwining. You become one. But remember that you have three parts to you. So you physically, you're still two separate people communicating in this act. So where do you become one? flesh where do you become one there is an intertwining in the unseen realm that is where you really become one now the question that i want to ask you is when you invite somebody to sleep with you and that person is a mary magdalene before christ cast out the seven demons in inviting her, are you not also inviting the seven demons? Because in the realm of the spirit, when two become one, all the things that are in that person become intermingled with all the things that are in you. And when those two things become intermingled, guess what? It is possible for you to pick things that that person has deposited in them. If by laying down of hands, grace can be transferred, how much more an intertwining in the unseen realm? The question, the problem, or the area of concern, however, is that you cannot see what people carry in their souls. Do you now understand why G, why God said, do not be unequally yoked? It was to protect you and not just an instruction from him. Because when you are unequally yoked, you are intertwining in sex when you get married with someone who does not carry the same thing in their soul and their spirit as you. But it's even deeper than that. So hold on to that question. When you sleep with someone, when you have sex with someone, when you become interwoven and intermingled and one with someone, you are inviting all of that person, seen and unseen, into all of you. And whatever both of you carry mingles together. And this is why we see people sometimes having sex with someone and then having dreams they never had. Or, or starting to change in behavior. There's an intermingling. But let's even take it a little bit deeper. I want to show you something that the Holy Spirit showed me that blew my mind. 
in Gen Numbers chapter 23. Now, open with me. And this it will probably be a, a, a Bible study a little bit longer than the normal ones we have because I really want us to land in a good place for the next portion. I don't want to leave you half, half with a half study. So please go along with me. It's just 20 minutes already. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 20, verse 20 and 21, and I'm going to read it because I think it's a very important scripture. It says, I have received the command to bless. That's 20. And I cannot reverse it. I'm paraphrasing now. And then 21 says something very powerful. He says, God, he, God, has not beheld any iniquity. In fact, I need to get this. Give me a second while I get this in the amplified classic version because I think that gives it a little bit more insight. You know, so we know that, part, you know, first of all, there is no iniquity. God said, these people have no iniquity in them. But more than that, it was even deeper than that. He also said, he said, um, he said, God has not beheld iniquity. So open with me the Amplified Classic version of Numbers chapter 23. And you can Google that verse if you do not have an Amplified Classic version Bible. That's why we come to Bible study with our Google. And God said, God has not beheld iniquity in Jacob for he is forgiven. Neither has he seen mischief or perverseness in Israel for the same reason because he is forgiven. The Lord their God is with Israel and the shout of praise to their king is among the people. Which means that, and then he now goes on to say, therefore, and God brings them forth, that's verse 22, God brought them forth out of Egypt, Egypt being the place of sin. Hmm. The, as they were with the strength of a wild ox. So God has brought them forth out of Egypt. He has forgiven them. There is no iniquity in them. There is no mischief. There is no perversion. And then the, they conclude in verse 23. Surely there is no enchantment with or against Jacob. Neither is there any divination with or against Israel. Which means, the King James says, no enchantment or divination will ever work. The only reason why it will not work is because their iniquity has been forgiven. The Lord is their God and the shout of praise of Jehovah is in their midst. Does this sound like Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 to you by any chance? In which it says, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of his grace. So all the scripture that says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means that as long as there is no iniquity in you, as long as you are in the righteousness of God, there are certain things that can never walk against you as you walk on your journey towards greatness. So on the back of this, now open with me to Revelation chapter 2 verse 14. Let's talk about the sin of Balaam. What did Balaam do that was so upsetting to God?
God. And I'm using New King James Version for this. It says, but I have a few things against you because you were, you were, you have, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, you know, causing them to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Here it comes again. So the stumbling block, what Balaam did, had sex as a weapon, which means sex outside the authority of the confines of God is a destiny of God's you know, the way God ordained it is a stumbling block to destiny. Wow. So let's go a little deeper. Let's go back to the Old Testament and tie this to Numbers chapter 25, verse 1 and 2. And this is where it gets really scary. If you are a believer and you understand how deep things can go in the realm of the spirit. It says, now Israel remained in the Acacia Grove and the people began to commit halotry. They began, that halotry word means they began to sleep with, they began to have sexual interaction with the women of Moab. And guess what? It was a downward spiral from there. Now they started with sex. Then from sex, they started inviting them to sacrifices. And then from there, they started eating with them. And then from there, they started bowing to their idols. And then in verse 3, the Bible says, Israel became joined with the demon called Baal. There became a connection between a demonic spirit and the children of God. And it started with sex. Sex was the door opener. So, peradventure, you know, the enemy has been trying to entice you. You need to understand what is at stake. You, yes, you, with the Joseph mantle. You, yes, you, destined by God to change the landscape for him in this world across the seven mountains. You, yes, you carrying that mantle of leadership when you allow the devil to use the weapon called sex it opens the door to the spirit or whatever is in that other person you become weaker against spiritual attacks you are more susceptible to sacrificing yourself to things that you would never have considered before. You become more comfortable, remember Numbers 25, where you would never have been comfortable. Before you know it, you are bowing or submitting to things you would never have submitted to. And when you become joined in spirit, it becomes difficult to extract yourself. Does this sound like the story of so many great men of God who have fallen down the road of the scandal called sex? Now, it is not always that obvious because you might not be told like the children of Israel of old to go to a shrine or a groove or a high place 
or do seances, look at tarot cards, or use crystals or uja boards. But you will definitely become more comfortable with sin. And before you know it, you will be very, very far from God. This is an age-old strategy. And if you don't believe, then remember that Solomon started well, but ended his life bowing to idols because of strange women he had interactions with. Remember, sex was the door opener to the destruction of Samson's destiny. And David's life, if not for the mercy of God, will have been ruined because of his sexual relationship with Bathsheba. So great man or woman of destiny. The next time the spirit of lust comes knocking at your door in form of a man or a woman, a book or a movie, a magazine, a post, an app, a page. Remember, remember, sex done outside of God's planned way for it to be used has wrong has done wrong and destroyed many this sin has destroyed many flee was joseph's answer and at the next post we'll be talking about fleeing what it means to flee and how to stand against this demonic spirit and win. You have to win because you have a great destiny. Thank you very much for listening to Bible study today. I believe God with all of my soul, my heart, all of me, that people's lives will be transformed because of this. That somebody will make a decision to walk in purity because of this. Because they understand that their destiny is bigger than those few moments of pleasure. Than that short feeling of ecstasy. They understand what is at stake. In conclusion, stay within the confines and the boundaries of God's rules and limitations. They are not a yoke. They are a blessing. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you. Thank you for this word. I send it out into the world. And I pray that you will change a life. Change a destiny. Break chains. And turn somebody's story around. To the glory of your holy name. Thank you again for teaching us, Holy Spirit. Hover over this word wherever it goes, wherever it's listened to. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember to tune in for the next episode because we're going to be talking about fleeing. And then we will continue into other parts of the Joseph mantle. 
O ye carrier of the Joseph mantle, I look forward to seeing you at the top of the ladder. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.